Hi, I'm Marina Sirtis, and you're going boldly with Beyond Trek Podcast. This is Beyond Trek Podcast, your source for Star Trek on social media and around the web. I'm Big J. I'm Watney. And I'm Dag, the Trivia Master. You can find us on Facebook at Beyond Trek Podcast and on Twitter at Beyond Trek Pod. I am a vampire. <laughs> what a way to start we, the episode. Guys, we have every excuse to be vampires. It is month almost seven of, of, of this, you know, sort of quarant- world. quarantine. Oh, and, yeah. And like people aren't going outside. I'm, you know, I'm trying to work out in the house. The fires in California just subsided a bit. So we're going for walks at lunch now, which is better because we're getting some real sunlight instead of this artificial bright stuff. And if you live in California, please no more gender reveal parties. Okay. The state cannot take another burn down. Oh, boy. <laughs> So let's, is that what it was caused from? Uh, one of the fires was started by a family's gender reveal party. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and that is what perpetuated the meme of ever accelerating explosions of gender reveal parties. Right. Right. It, it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't even like a big contributing factor. It was just that that was what was cool to latch onto. But if you look at a pie chart of what the causes were, it was just. California was very dry. It's been very dry and some unfortunate lightning strikes happen, but that's not cool. So let's... And we're really bad at doing controlled burns to prevent these kinds of things. Yeah, that's right. that's huge. And the... um, Smokey the Bear, we don't need to stop all forest fires from ever happening right. because then we right. get into situations like this. Yeah. 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 I mean, even from me... Just... Go ahead. I was just saying, they're just like, building houses in places that are susceptible to wildfires and then paying the authorities to not do controlled burns because they want to keep their houses. I actually don't know if they're paying the authorities. It's just we Probably. don't because they're residential areas now. Right. So let me tell you this. This is why <sighs> I was running late today. So uh, Nacho, son Nacho, had a football game today. Uh, he's on the freshman team at his high school. So they won, which was great. They, they won their game. Nice. And then um, he wanted to do lunch at uh, Skyline afterwards, which he just dropped on me after the game. Uh, but he um, had us meet his girlfriend. Uh, and uh, she's a junior in high school. And I, the first time he told us, that, I'm thinking, are you kidding me? When I was his age, I would not have had the balls to ask out an upperclassman like that. I mean, this this kid is just <laughs> suave written all over him apparently I, I i don't know i don't know what it is but yeah yeah he's he's hey. pulling down upperclassmen already as a as a freshman so he's just living on cloud nine <laughs> hey maybe her favorite dish is nachos <laughs> that's a good one that's that's good yes yes and as that's a, funny as a father I'm proud. Is... no yeah no not, nachos <laughs> a great kid like every time i've talked to him he's been very funny and easy to talk to so you should be yeah. proud yep yeah yep, i am i am definitely yeah. So sure. let's get into to some lower decks. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh. Everybody welcome. I think the consensus is this episode was amazing, but before we do that, let's, let's introduce ourselves. I am Watney. I'm big J and I'm Dag. And this is your official spoiler alert. We are going to dig deep into this episode and all of its details. So if you haven't seen it yet and can and want to check it out, 
and then come back to us. If you haven't, this is your warning. We're going to spoil the heck out of this episode. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Buckle up. And that is the varietus. I mean, truth, whatever. Yes. So uh, welcome to Beyond Trek. We're very glad to have you. Now let's get into it. This, I got to say, so when I'm like producing the outline Mm -hmm. for us to talk about, this one was all over the place. There was like scene one, scene two, and then a flashback within scene two. And then we go back to scene two. And then there's another flashback in scene two. It was like crazy. Um, the, the, The formatting of this episode was absolutely insane. It was like, you get right into the action. And then there were several flashbacks, um, kind of like the Canterbury tales. I think that's the Canterbury tales. Yeah. Is that, and then they do that in Hyperion where they tell the story via flashbacks. They tell Mm -hmm. the story via like their personal experience. So then you get a bigger picture as the audience. It's really cool. What are you saying, Dag? I just, I really liked the, the collision of, of like tropes in here. We got our, we got the trial episode. We got our flashback episode and mm-hmm. it just, it worked really well. The, the, the addition of the tropes, heist. yes. We get the heist episode. Oh God, you're right. So like, yeah, this is, this is really, really. Um, like all my favorite. The trope. trial trope, yeah. the heist trope and the flashback all mixed in to one. Okay. And it was done well. The writers knew what they were doing when they put this episode together. Yeah. Cause they, they don't like force feed the audience information at any point, really. Um, and there's a lot of stuff that can be gleaned on like rethinking it. And, and, you know, we'll get to this probably later on, but they mentioned different star dates out of order. And if you put those events in the order of star date, you can go, oh, this is what happened here, here, and here. Okay. So it was like watching Pulp Fiction. And they just all out of order. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they don't, little, yeah. they don't spoon feed it to the audience. They mm-hmm. give the audience that's real interested in those kinds of things the opportunity to think deeper about what's going on in this episode and what's gone on in the past of this episode. Okay. Yes. So scene one, um, the gang, which we get to see them all together, which is really cool. And at the beginning, I had no idea what was going to happen. So I thought it was going to be cool to see like how they all shine in their own way now that they're together in this, in like the plot. Um, but they end up getting thrown into like an alien prison. Sam says it looks more like a dungeon. That's worse. Yeah, or it's worse. (laughs) Andy freaks out because she thinks she's there because she's been replicating a lot of ice lately. (laughs) She likes ice. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And Mariner's like, this is a resort compared to what the Klingons do to you. But she's interrupted um, by the cell rising upwards towards an ominous light. And then we cut. Straight out of undiscovered country. Yeah. Yeah, very much. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been a minute since I've seen that one. Callback where Kirk and McCoy end up on trial for the murder of Chancellor Gorkon in a very similar chamber. And that's what this, the entire trial felt like to me. It, it, it felt like it was a, a very nice uh, homage. Here, here it is, Watney. There's the, if in Undiscovered Country, if you go back and watch that, uh, at the start of the trial scene, you'll see a lot of the similarities I'm, I'm talking about that this episode of, of Lower Decks pulled from. Right. And there, and there, were, there the, were several. They're all so worried. Even Mariner's worried. 
they uh, pop on up to this, what looks very much like a Star Wars. Uh, yes, sorry. You can bleep that out if you need to. Um, Star Wars <laughs> Senate looking room. Um, it's like, it looks like straight out of the, I am the Senate where like, they're all floating around. Yeah. yeah. Um, the commanders we, we find are suspended in a, in a beam and they're, there's a kind of arbiter. I'm just going to call him arbiter because we don't know his name now, but this arbiter has this like skull gavel and he calls everybody primes. Welcome primes. Welcome primes. Uh, and we learned that our, our gang is going to be witnesses and, and Mariner's like, well, what's the difference between witnessing something and looking at something? <laughs> I thought it was really funny. Um, yeah. they speak into the horn they're supposed to speak into the horn of candor which apparently that's a pun i'm not sh- i'm not sure if that's if if that's a pun uh but what what i saw from it because like i said there was a lot of symmetry with the uh the trial scene in star trek 6 the undiscovered country you had the, the rising up towards like this this light you get up there uh, just the the view of the the judge or an arbiter, very reminiscent of that. Uh, the the same kind of um, thing that he was using to you know hit as his as his gavel. Some similarities there. Even this guy right here with with the eye patch, uh, very much reminded me of Chang, uh, General Chang. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I I think was his eye patch and the other eye. I, some I don't know. Um, but then when he put up the horn, that was kind of like the the line. Uh, Kirk and McCoy had to have the universal translators uh, up up to their ear um, in order for them to be able to communicate during the trial. And, and that's what I was thinking. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when I see the the horn, that that's what that rem- reminded me of. I don't know if there was some other inside inside joke to the horn or not. I didn't pull any additional context out of the horn itself, but I think... Um, you know, I like the way that you you weave that General Chang, you know, don't wait for the translation, answer me now, kind of. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, yeah. for sure. Absolutely. Um, Mariner is first. Uh, she's, she, he calls her up first and she speaks into the, uh, the horn and um, he says, Mr. Arbiter says, um, you were present on the bridge when the Cerritos made contact with the clicket ship Twerk on Stardate 578.8.5 which is after episode six of Lower Decks Terminal Provocations, the one with Fletcher in the core and Badgie in the holodeck. So this this all happened after um, or began after Terminal Provocations. Which was episode um, six, so like yes, two weeks ago? episode six. Right on. Yeah. So... Um, Mariner begins the flashback. It was back on that day, repair day. <laughs> she takes him to the uh, the shuttle room where they're working on a shuttle and they're arguing about who's like the biggest badass. And um, Boimler says Roga Danar. Roga Danar. Roga Danar. Yep, Roga Danar. From TNG, the hostage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He out. He apparently out. Well, he outsmarted Picard, and that's Boimler's vote. And Mariner's like, it's totally Khan. 
Khan is like a space seed dude or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Which is weird super villain. Kind of a maybe a nod to her being an augment, which we haven't discovered yet, but well, this is the maybe this we is will. the this is the second reference she's made to Khan. Mm-hmm. And I'm totally with you on that. You brought that up and I'm looking for it now and I'm like, "Oh man, she's just got this Khan thing coming back." And I'm mm-hmm. like waiting for it. Yeah. How nice of a callback is, is that about Ruga oh, Danar? I I I like that. That that is another one of those treats i like about this show that if you are a fan that has watched everything they're going to throw you something that's going to make you kind of jump up in a chair your couch and be like oh oh, oh yeah i know who that is um, that's this entire episode yes yeah. <laughs> yeah that's all they do which is beautiful it's kind of like saying here's this thing you love we love it let's fucking add it in here let's fucking mention it let's mm-hmm. get you excited let's let's like make you fall more in love with star trek that's like to me this is like a love letter to star trek yes um so um attendee says uh <laughs> yeah and khan has a thick thick chest or oh something God. like that <laughs> he stands up <laughs> to actively kill you i just i love that it's so funny it's 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 a super like meta hey fans we hear you kind of thing yeah that's just a thing yeah it's like uh like it's so it's such lower decks like chatter banter like tendy being like khan's totally hot like (laughs) it's just funny to me she gets up to go to the bathroom and uh comes back turns out the entire rest of the ship is at red alert and sam says i mess with the speakers uh so that they would be extra loud when red alert happens and it turns out that the they didn't speakers hear shit. Just don't work anymore. He must have broken them. He intended for them to be extra loud. Anyway, Boimler's like Sam. <laughs> yeah. So they get to uh, they go to their stations. Mariner and Boim Boim are going up the uh, the turbo lift, and um, he's like, "What are we gonna do? They're gonna notice that we weren't on the bridge. Why do we have to have bridge duty today?" And Mariner's like, "Don't worry about it. Follow my lead. We're gonna make it up on the fly." Yep. Um, have a little argument here. They end up getting to the bridge. Yeah. And um, they enter as the captain is beaming back on board with like a map of some kind. And it looks like the neutral zone. You can clearly see neutral zone written on it. So it must be Romulan. Um, It's not immediately apparent. I actually had to go back because I noticed there was words on that. So I had to go back and I figured it was like kind of a neutral zone or something because of the way it was drawn. But uh, Mer- Mariner and Boimler get into their seats by like crawling or something. And the Clicket um, captain, remember, this is a flashback from when Mariner was on the bridge with the Clicket ship. And uh, her mom and the Clicket captain argue. Um, uh, Freeman, the captain, asks for Mariner's advice and or something like that. And Mariner's like, I don't know, but I know you'll have the best. Uh, you'll have the best uh, solution. And she's like, You're right, I will. Or you're right about. That. I'm like, Damn, we love the confidence. And then she just asks Boimler, like, What should yeah. we do? <laughs> yeah, Boimler boims, which as he does, uh, makes some silly suggestions, and it seems very much like a Wesley situation to mm-hmm. me. Um. And the captain said, I didn't ask you to kiss my ass. I asked you what you thought we should right. do. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. And if you're in a situation like this, you there's no time or room or place for ass kissing. Mm-hmm. Like you need to be solutions oriented. So uh, 
the captain tells her daughter mariner send them a message <laughs> and mariner fires a phaser like right under the enemy ship just to like send them a message but it was the wrong message and this is kind of funny because i remember when we were we did the um code of honor mm-hmm. i think it was code of honor it was the code of honor episode where and there's like a point towards the beginning where or middle i don't know but like troy and picard are on the bridge together everyone's on the bridge and there's like a situation and and troy it's so dumb because troy's like a mind reader or she's an emotion reader so she can do it but it's very one way no one else can read her mind and she turns to she turns to picard and she just goes sir and then like picard knows exactly what she's talking about like he knows exactly what she means yeah i'm not buying that which is a, I think this is a ploy on the fact that everyone in TNG knows what each other is thinking all the time on the bridge. Like we, they just, they just like can basically read minds. There's never any of this situation going on. And it's like a cool factor. You know, the trope that I got out of that when she said, send them a message. And so she fires a phaser blast and then, <laughs> then they argue about that's not what I meant. The, the trope that I like about that is in uh, movies and TV shows, whenever, the the boss or the bad guy or whoever gives a nod to a henchman and somehow that henchman knows to knock someone out or take someone away or shoot them in the head or whatever okay how do you know what that head nod meant you know did, did that mean push the guy over the the roof or does that mean hit him in the back of the head with your gun it's like it's just like a head nod right it's like guy, boss yeah. you just gave me a head nod what what, what do i do with that <laughs> it's because so. they're supposed to be in tune they're supposed to be a team but we know well, that mariner and her mom are not in sync well Did okay you know this is gonna happen but in so right right in the one of my favorite ones good example batman begins scene where bruce wayne is confronting um was it uh, Falcone uh, at his bar? It was during the you know, flashback uh, restaurant. And, um, you know, he, he does the head nod. I guess it was to mean, you know, get this guy out of here. Well, one of the henchmen sucker punches Bruce first and then pulls him up out of the booth. It's like, okay, what part of the head nod meant to just, you know, crack this guy in the jaw first. I just want to Look, get he him has out of one there. job. Maybe he just has one job and the nod is do your job. Like maybe it's that. I don't know. But yeah, you're right. That's like a well come and not send them a message. Like bring okay. It, bring it bring it back to Star Trek in the was it the fourth season episode of Legions. Picard is captured and studied when he makes it back to his ship, he's like nodding to every member of the crew when these aliens are talking to them about what their intention was. And then he just sits down nonchalantly near Sharon's like now Mr. Wolf and a force field appears around the aliens. Yes. He explains, like, I was totally non-verbally capable to tell my entire bridge crew here that I wanted to capture you and I didn't have to say anything. I was like, wow, that's yes. That's in tune. Yes. It's a it's yep. a very TNG thing, especially if in the in the context of Trek, for and especially with TNG that everyone on the bridge knows what each other is thinking. And yep. they're just that much of a well-oiled machine. They don't Read the speak at all. Yeah. So in this instance, on the least important ship, doing the least important jobs, they're going to be squeaky. So. <laughs> I, I like that this last scene here up on the screen, and if you're just listening to us, we do have a YouTube uh, video that accommodates the audio with slides from the episode. And in this particular moment, 
Um, the entire bridge crew is reacting from an, a ship impact and they're all leaning to one side. And I just thought that was really funny because it's like every time the Enterprise got hit, they all had to like react. And sometimes they all reacted in different ways. And uh, it's, uh-huh. it almost looks like they're dancing to Thriller here. Oh. <laughs> Especially that guy in the back, man, he's getting into it. The blue Thriller. <laughs> I've been waiting for this. Okay, so uh, the guy, the Arbiter gets really upset with Mariner for basically not telling him what he wants to hear because she wasn't, she just doesn't have the information as a witness. Um, Oh, and after, after, by the way, after Mariner fires the the phaser under the enemy ship in the flashback, uh, they get on the hail really quick. They're like, target the bridge, and then they end up getting in a firefight. Um. So Mariner is held in contempt of court because she's not saying what he wants to hear. Um, basically just telling him spaceships don't have maps. They have stellar cartography. <laughs> right. She's almost dunked in this like tank of contempt is what it's called, mm-hmm. which is like a bunch of eels basically with like lights under it. I don't know. I wanted to make two references here. Um, one in the flashback when freeman asks boimler for a reference he's like let's do a crazy ivan which if you're not familiar with a crazy ivan is it's a maneuver that is pulled in firefly wash calls for it Mm -hmm. which which originates from the hunt for red october Mm -hmm. is the crazy ivan in the movie uh well boimler uh, which movie so is it serenity uh, I don't know if it's actually in Serenity or if it's just one of the episodes. I didn't. Look I think it's one of the episodes. I, almost... I just I noticed it and I googled it. It was like, oh, Firefly, and then Reddit was like, also Hunt for Red October, and I was like, all yes. right. It was in Hunt for Red October, but I know it was not in Serenity, so it had to be one of one of the episodes. But but yeah. And then the second thing to point out is that these are these are shrieking eels, and if you're a fan of the Princess Bride. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> the shrieking eels. The shrieking eels, which it is was the pilot episode. Oh, of Firefly, is it? Which is called Serenity. Well, which is you. why I was like, oh, what okay. fog? Because I thought in the beginning of the movie Serenity, they're pulling off a heist. Yes. Remember? And yeah. I thought it was like the getaway scene to get away from the Reavers. When they but, like swoop down and grab the vehicle they're on yeah that's what I'm, that's what i was like thinking um, and that, that like move busted. was like uh i think wash called a barn buster yeah the yes, barn door it was something barn the barn door. open yeah, yeah, the barn yeah. door yeah yeah yeah, yeah for sure anyway, i started to derail i just like had to get that right in my head. <laughs> I, I just want to go a little bit a crazy ivan is when you have one engine going full forward and another yep. engine going full reverse yep. to cause the ship or the vessel to spin around very quickly mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Back to you. Swallowing my water. Sorry. Um. So yeah, eels. Blah blah blah. She she gets like trapped in a containment field of her very own and um almost dunked in the the liquid or the water or whatever. Um, Boimler steps in and and he's like, "Don't do that!" Or like, "I I can tell you more." So they freeze her. And the guy's like, she may go unyield for now, which I thought was funny. Um, Boimler steps in, um, and then it's Sam's turn to testify. 
it's funny watching Tendi's behavior here because she's definitely going like, oh, I don't know anything about that. And you're like, oh, what's Tendi know? And we don't find <laughs> out till later, of course. But then, yeah, as you said, Rutherford steps up to the plate. Oh, yeah. And, so, And this guy's Sam, whole we, problem is that they should know more than they do. Like, he, he does not get how they are not fully versed in everything that's going on on the ship because he thinks that's what Starfleet does. Right. Yeah. Yep. Um, so we learned that Sam's full name is Sam Samanthan. Samanthan? How did I miss that? Samanthan. Samanthan Rutherford. Hmm. Rutherford. Um, the the arbiter says, tell me about Stardate 57791.1. Which is before. Which, Sorry, go ahead. Yes. No, you're right. It is before. It's before Mariner's uh, Mariner's flashback, which I didn't actually get, Dag. Because hers is 57818 and Rutherford's is 57791. But that, does that make sense? Yes. That... Rutherford's events happened before Mariner's events mm -hmm. and Tendy's events happen after Rutherford's events, but we don't get a start date for Tendy's events. We don't, we don't, mm -mm. but interesting. Um, I have to chew on that a little bit. Anyway, Sam was, Sam says it's his turn and he's like, I can tell you what I know. I have perfect memory with this thing. What date do you want to find out about? Want to know about? And he offers like other star dates as options, but he's like, no, I want the one I asked for. <laughs> he's like, you're not going to like it. So we cut to Sam uh, rotating EPS capacitors because apparently they overheat when you leave them in one direction for too long, which is such a cute little check nugget. Um, uh, he's like in the hallway, like just rotating them by hand rotate rotate and then Shax and the chief engineer show up what's his name the chief engineer do we know billups it's the b billups yes billups billups okay Shax and billups show up um and um the show kind of begins and this is a very 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 fun sequence uh, apparently he needs to have his shots they, they tell him he needs to update his his thing, his his implant. And uh, Billups asks if he's had his shots. And Shax is like, if you haven't, you might get denobulin flesh-eating bacteria, which will eat right through his underpants. Denobulin. Denobulins. They're my have. Um, his implant starts to count down 10, 9, 8, and then he boots down. He passes out. The first reboot is the download of the software itself sam wakes up in a shuttle with shacks and billups and he has apparently nerve pinched two separate vulcans which he has a vulcan implant so i can understand mm -hmm. he, the vulcan implant probably has like seuss mana like <laughs> or something yes, yes um apparently it takes control of him during updates he says he usually likes to do these updates in his quarters <laughs> I, I can see um, why yeah, so, you know, Billups. Billups is an engineer who probably knows how to handle this thing and is making sure Rutherford has plausible deniability. That could be a thing that's happening. Oh, hold absolutely. on, look at the shuttle, real quick before it fades away. The, mm -hmm. the that shuttle, that Vulcan shuttle, same shuttle design that was used in Star Trek: The Motion Picture when um, Spock? Spock when Spock <gasps> was being couriered to the yeah. the Enterprise that that broke down, had his hazard lights on. Yeah. 
there's also one featured in after uh, season four, the season four introductions of Do Space Nine. There's a Vulcan shuttle that's moving under the the docking pylon. God. Oh. Hmm. Oh, good. I yeah. love when Spock rejoins the Enterprise in the motion picture. His outfit mm-hmm. he just looks so good. Oh, like, cool. gives me chills. I heard you really all fucked good. up your warp drive. I'm here to fix it. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, thing. permission to come aboard. He's like, granted, sir. Blah, blah, blah. And he just walks away. <laughs> just walks away. So good. Just granted, so sir. Granted. granted. Um, <laughs> we did, I, don't, I didn't hear, but did you mention the names of the Vulcans that uh, Rutherford uh, took Spock out? Spock and Spock. Spock and Spock. I'm like, that's got to be the John of Vulcan. Everybody on Vulcan, like half of them are all named Spock. Oh, and here I thought it was Shax being racist. I thought he was. calling all Vulcan Spocks. <laughs> that, that's how I took it. Dude, <laughs> I didn't the, take it that way. Yes. Ow. He said the two Spocks. I think that's what, yeah, I think that was just a dig at I don't want to laugh at this. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> Why you got to take it that way? Yo. I'm just saying. I like, I like Rutherford's plight because I can, I can appreciate trying to do a, a driver update or firmware update on something and then just have it just go to shit. And yeah, I can, really I can right. imagine you're familiar. <laughs> oh yes. Oh yes. I, <laughs> I know what that's like uh, uh, too much working in IT. So yeah, I, I appreciate oh, yeah. Rutherford's part. I'm I really like this image of a Vulcan. We know this is like a Vulcan museum sort of. I did not know place. that at the time. I didn't put it two to get two and two together. It took me a minute to understand what was going on because it's very, very fast paced. It all oh, happens yeah. very quickly. Oh, yeah. And so my a first watch of- through, I was like, okay, museum, unknown museum. Pretty fucking funny that they right. just say they're going to a museum. Then they start... Then they like, you know, they jump out, they push him out and then he blacks out again. And it's like, where are they? I didn't actually know where they were until I realized later that it was on Vulcan, but yes, they are on Vulcan at this point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's a kind of a, (laughs) they're part of the Federation. Can't they just ask them for that? Yeah, that's yeah, one thing that like, goes unanswered here. Is like, why did why don't we attack fellow members of the Federation? I don't know. I, I think it was. Why just, are you fan dancing them? I don't know. Right. I think it was just one of those like we're, we're supposed to be in the same shoes with Rutherford during these continuous reboots where he wakes oh. up and doesn't know what the hell's going on. Well, the audience doesn't know what's going on. It's like, well, okay, wait a minute. we're right there with you. Why are you guys jumping out of a Vulcan shuttle? Why was, what the hell is happening? And yeah. you don't get that answered. You're just, it's like, just go yeah. with it. Along for the ride. Because he's, he's going it with it. Yeah. You said it. You said it. Both of you. Um, yeah. we're, we're just, we're riding along with Rutherford. And it's the story's designed to do that. The, yes. the way that they're telling the story is designed to do that via f- short flashbacks, uh, of different people. And so dis- disjointed to keep the audience going, what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what I was doing the whole time. I, I, I would had, I was like a, like a kid watching, <laughs> watching this. It was amazing. Um, Dad, yeah, you have a I, screenshot of Rutherford with the, with the feathers, which is the, the home. You were getting to, ahead of us. Jay. Sorry. Sorry. I'll, I'll just yeah, sit yeah, here yeah. with my drink. <laughs> I'm Rutherford's like, Sam's trying to tell him like, I don't know what's going on. Like I, what's happening. And then he's like, when we get to the museum, we'll have a short amount of time or something. So um, I want to I want to talk about this frame for a second mm-hmm. before before we move further in the plot. Oh um, God, look how for, much is in this. There's for so those of you time. for those of you listening, 
um, we are looking at a screenshot of one side of the Vulcan Museum in which there are, are several types of ships uh, featured here. Um, and I'm just going to point out the ones that I know, and I know that you guys might know them too, but for the audience, we have a, oops, how do I do this? Control click. There we go. Okay, so we have a D7 Klingon cruiser here, which was also a Romulan ship in the original series, mm -hmm. which we sort of retconned as like a Klingon Romulan technology share because the original series didn't really stick to a ship design. The original Bird of Prey was actually a Klingon vessel before it became a Romulan vessel. And so those are just some continuity errors that I think are really relevant to an idea I have about mm. this episode. Okay. But okay. Then we have a Vulcan, uh, a Vulcan science vessel here. We have a Ferengi shuttle. We have a uh, next generation era shuttlecraft. We have what I believe to be a Tholian vessel up here in the top left. This center ship, I cannot place. And for the life of me, I tried searching so hard, but it's difficult because- Jim Hadar. Is that a Jim Hadar ship? That's a Jim Hadar ship. Oh, thank you, Jay. Yep. I knew you'd yep. know it. Um, I, don't, you. I don't know why there's a Jim Hadar ship in a Vulcan yep. museum. No, I just looked it up. But, but isn't- isn't okay, a yellow jobby there? I'm uh, all over this. What's that? Isn't the the, the thing Goodyear? Yeah, right. I, I that's a worker bee. Isn't that a worker bee that we see kind of floating around in the motion picture and um, you know Wrath that, of Khan during the? I don't remember the protrusions coming out of the front like this, but you could be right. It could be a worker bee. I just I associated those with the Vulcan ship that they've commandeered. So maybe it's oh, a, it maybe totally it, looks like there's no stripes on it. But okay. could they, it could totally it, be the worker bee. It, it, I may be wrong. It's just when I saw that, that was the first thing I thought was, oh, I think that's what that is. But so, yeah. so yeah, we got the Jemadar ship, the um, the D7. And the whole purpose of pointing this out is to just be like, look at the collection of research the animators have to do to pull all of these ships from their various eras and put them all together here in this museum on Vulcan which implies a sense of sentimentality before unseen on the home world. Is that uh, obelisk right there from 2001? You know, it might be a reference to 2001. And I, I applaud you with that because I have found a lot of references to other franchises in here. We already talked about Princess Bride and Firefly. Mm -hmm. We have a 2001 here and our main villain, or not a villain, antagonist, kind of reminds me of the villain from galaxy quest with like the bolted on eye patch and he's kind of green but not precisely not precisely right. so you know it's it's sort of conditioned me to look real deep and maybe find some associations that may not really be there or yeah. weren't intended um but yeah you could be right this could be the obelisk it from like it or it could be what Tars from Interstellar, who was like a rectangular robot. Oh, I love, I love him. Uh, Tars is great, but the other thing the purport, proportionally, it's too big. It's not Tars for sure. Right, it's way right. too big, but it it definitely could be the obelisk. Yeah, um, proportionally, the obelisk fits. Yeah, I feel like people. It, it, that was the the obelisk, if I remember correctly, was discovered on the moon. Not at first. Or a moon of Jupiter. No, it was uh, it was first on on Earth, 
And what it was doing was uh, testing the uh, humanity or the, the evolution of the species on Earth. So the very beginning of the movie, those uh, the, the apes were around it on, on Earth. It was now it's a little spotty because it's been a while since I've seen it, but first it was on Earth. Then it was either the same one or different one was on the moon. Now I just want to interject. We're talking about 2001, A Space Odyssey? Yes. 2001, Space Odyssey, yes. Now, okay. it was the sequel, 2010, was when they found uh, an obelisk that was near Jupiter. Okay. If, if, I, if I'm recalling right, it, it was like it was these things were placed at different points of testing of discovery yes evolution of of discovery of um uh, technological leaps okay that's cool yeah well yes the second the second obelisk is on the moon and that's where you see like you see him traveling to the moon from a space station uh in the movie but why it was on the moon i don't know because it's supposed to signify using tools like the first one on earth but anyway um maybe Bring it back to the episode well maybe the evolution came from like the evolution of hal and not so much the evolution of humans but yeah i'd have to rewatch it yeah i don't know it's worth another rewatch maybe we'll do an episode on that or something yeah. so there's or, one more there yeah. there might be two more things in this in this in this capture mm-hmm. here that are worth noticing one in the back you've got uh what appears to be a woman in a full gown and a head covering mm-hmm. which to me reminds me of how amanda appeared in star trek 4 to spock after he was doing his sort of testing mm-hmm. she had a, a white gown with a head covering yeah when spock um, was doing his sat test right <laughs> correct um oh that yeah it's very one similar. of the cool things that's here is the full starfleet security armor that we haven't seen since i believe star trek 3 you are correct and we've got the armor plating and the helmet mm-hmm. with the delta on it it's just it is way cool it's nice to see it's 2380 this is still in service the armor's probably been like updated in protective ability but not aesthetic um it's just really cool to see that the the people who are writing for this show are doing it right the people who are animating for this show are digging deep into the lore um this is really great fan service and i know we've talked on this one slide for like 10 minutes (laughs) no i think there's a lot to unpack and we should do that Right. Well, then we have to flip over to Rutherford's view and there's even, there's more stuff behind him. Okay. Let's do it. Wow. And the whole time, Big Jay sitting here thinking, am I going to have to edit a two hour podcast? Yep. It's a 24 minute. Always. Yep. (laughs) Thanks, Wadi. So I'll get through this one quickly because there's not as much. We've got three Federation shuttlecraft. We know that Shax is climbing this pylon to get to a bird of prey, a Romulan bird of prey, Uh because you can see sort of the underbelly of the phoenix there. Uh, But in the background, in the left over here, we've got the Teplanahoth, or another vessel like the Teplanahoth, which is the Vulcan survey team that arrived at First Contact Mm -hmm. in in Star Trek First Contact and met with uh, Zephram Cochran. So just another really cool in the lore reasons why things would be in a shuttlecraft. We know that up top here, we've got an original series shuttlecraft versus a next gen shuttlecraft. So, um, you know, that could be like the Galileo. Um, There's just 
just again, there's a lot very to look cool at here. fan service. Thank you. It's great. We love it. Um, the guard approacheth, and <laughs> he's like, Shax is like, do something to distract him. Do the fan dance. Um, <laughs> the guard's like, hey, you're distracting me. It's pretty funny. Um, Sam, once again, look how pretty the fans are. Beautiful. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. No, you're fine. You're fine. Uh, Sam shuts down as the guard points a, a gun at him. So Star you know Trek what the fan five. dance is from? Yep. Final Frontier. Mm-hmm. Uhura did the fan dance to distract the guards on their way to whatever that outpost was. Paradise City on Nimbus 3. Thank you. Um, he shuts down again and then wakes up in the middle of space, it looks like, although his grav boots are clinging on to what we discover is the Klingon bird of prey that was just stolen from the Vulcan Museum of Ancient historical chips why the hell is he um, out there <laughs> why is he out there and why is he there, on? yeah there's so many questions i have about how did they get this here why is he up there alone yeah the billups is out there with him and his nitrogen he's has nitrogen poisoning or something like that mm-hmm. uh, nitrogen intoxicated intoxication he mentions um mark twain having a gun and tasha yard that garbage bag's right behind you Mm-hmm. pretty funny um <laughs> not funny so much because we know tasha dies but um yeah anyway he he carries him into the cloaked vulcan shuttle bumping him along the way into the cloaked bird of prey that's surrounding them mm-hmm. he restarts again he collapses hits the console and the ship goes to warp he wakes up on gorn i think this is cestus three the planet where um Kirk. you think it's cestus three i think it is because if you if we looked at if you just pay attention to like the rock formations they're very much like yeah look uh, at the rock formation in the background it's you it's, mean this uh, background no in on on the yeah, uh, no exactly the background that watney is pointing out behind watney in the video uh, the sharp, jagged, angular rocks. Uh, that was a planet called Cestus Three, where Kirk fought the Gorn. And this is absolutely, at least if not the actual planet, um, it is. It's a it's a call out to it. Right, you're right. No, I'm, I meant the one behind Rutherford in, in that image there. That that yeah. very much looks like the the famous. We go to this one spot in California every time we need to have a okay. rock formation to film scenes with. That that location's look, used several times. Look behind me. I know. I saw that. Yeah. It's this, that is the actual formation. Like it's, it's of course you can have a Gorn wedding anywhere. I'm sure they can, they would, they can travel wherever they want. But um, actually, I don't know. After seeing this, I, the Gorn seem very Dynanigacy. <laughs> yeah. uh, the name of the place is called Vasquez rocks. In yes, Vasquez rocks. I, I was and, just saying that the Vasquez, it looks more like Vasquez rocks behind Rutherford than did behind you, Watney, but I, I I could be wrong. It's just I'd I'd have I, to I think the one behind Watney looks like uh somebody took an illustration of the classic scene that spot that Kirk uh runs up and, and just illustrated. Yeah, it's that. in Picard too. It yep. looks great. Yeah. Yep. yep. Um, um it's funny that you say they they act like Dynanicuses because Dr. Phlox in an episode of Enterprise called uh said that they were like Velociraptors. So, so velociraptors in Jurassic Park are the same thing as Dinonychus. 
They're and like I said, velociraptors historically in reality were like chicken size. Like they were very small, um, maybe a little bit bigger than a chicken, but Deinonychus was the human size, like scary. They mm-hmm. can eat your face off like with one chomp. Those Deinonychus is basically what they use to model velociraptors in Jurassic Park. So I mean, I'm, I'm not surprised he said velociraptor because that's like more well-known. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, not to get nerdy. Look at the gorns. This I can't believe gorn weddings like. Look at the flowers on their head and the nice dress. And, <laughs> <laughs> and the guests Very are all sitting in like these fold-out chairs. Earthy <laughs> looking. Mazel tov. So nice. It's so nice. And I mean, you know, honestly, from from someone watching this episode, it's not like the the gorn and the white dress is super obvious about gender besides the fact that they just have maybe they have a towel wrapped around them i don't know but i was like this is such a cool wedding honestly they could have done like here's an actual gorn wedding it's like a klingon wedding it's different it's not human like much less like like catholic looking but like (laughs) But this, um, that's what's funny is that, that this is relatable. This is relatable. It, it's relatable in the fact that they made it that way. It did. I would, I'm not sure that a Gordon wedding would, I guess it can't canonically does look like this, but I think it's funny. I think they said, Oh no, kissy, kissy. It's like taking dolls and kissing them like for the audience. Like that's, that's basically what it why, is. Why well, can't a Gorn wedding look like a Catholic wedding? I mean, just, and, why not? Uh, <laughs> you know, that's going to be the byline. If you don't watch it. In, <laughs> I've been in, to them. They look similar. <laughs> it's a good byline. Uh, it's, you know, I, I saw this and I'm looking at this and for some reason I'm like, I'm waiting for like them to bring Breakout with White Wedding here. I just thought that that you know the Billy Idol song was going to kick in, and that's funny. It just felt like that. If that yeah. had happened, I would have <sighs> rolled out of my chair. Uh, the Gorn do not like that he's there. He was not invited. He's neither on the groom nor the bride side. He's a wedding crasher. Oh, so he's a wedding crasher. And this is how we treat wedding crashers. Yeah, oh. they attack him, and he's like, "Ha ha! Take this, Gorn implant." And so he passes out, but he wakes up again. And he's still at the wedding getting chucked not so, on. We learn that this is where the story of Rutherford's experience with the Romulan, or excuse me, the B mission um, <laughs> comes to an end. I want to know what happens to Sam after this, but we never learn because that's, that's a fun I, I want to know, like, there's the, if you see in the scene there, the Vulcan ship is crashed into the planet in, near this wedding. The wedding goes on after this crash scene has happened. Where are Billups? Where are Shacks? Where are the two Spocks? Um, how, how did this ship crash here? And why did we just abandon a bird of prey cloaked in deep space? Hey, I don't know. You know, we don't know, and neither does Rutherford. That's the whole point, just because he well, keeps blacking out and coming to. <laughs> I have, I have ideas. Oh, I'll share okay. Them with you I thought you would. At the conclusion of uh, our review. Okay. okay. So, um, we go back to the Arbiter in uh, present day. Sam's like, I'm just telling you what I remember. And Tendi is, again, acting suspicious. Um, she's absolutely, definitely involved in something. And uh, Sam isn't being helpful to the Arbiter, so they lift him up next to Mar- Mariner, and he's like, eels? And she's like, dude, are you even paying attention? <laughs> uh Tendi says, stop hurting him, basically. And she's like, okay, it's my turn to testify. 
Mm. I can't talk about it. He's like, you better talk about it. She's like, I guess I'll talk about it. So, um, there's no star date associated with, uh, attendees flashback, uh, her and ransom were in the Romulan zone during this. Um, we come to find out her, she's like, I get the most, I get the best duty ever. I get to tidy the conference rooms. It's apparently it's a major assignment. Um, she's talking to Mariner about it. Mariner's like, that's lame. And she's like, but when you talk about, like, you could talk about the Borg anywhere. And she's like, but when you talk about the Borg in a conference room, it becomes a conference. She has a freaking lint roller. Are you I know. kidding me? Because there's yeah. a cat that's usually sitting yeah. on these. <laughs> yeah. Lint rolling to Anna's hair for sure. Um, I thought it was funny that, that Mariner after Tendi left was again, like jealous. She was like, I never get to clean the conference rooms. <laughs> um, so yeah, attendees, attendee gets to basically clean the chairs and shit like that. Um, the guy, we go back to the arbiter and he's like, you have to give me this information. She's like, I would risk death by eels to give, avoid giving you classified info. Mm-hmm. And, and he's, he's like, like then continue <laughs> <laughs> what was what was actually he's like are you so stubborn as to not reveal this and she's like yes that's correct just boom yeah he's <laughs> like, right, continue. Continue. <laughs> yeah but there's a um there's a moment here where um what is it ransom is talking but you don't get to hear what he's saying because tendy is thinking over what ransom is saying yes and if it, i i was i was like trying to listen to it like multiple times to be like what's he saying is it just gibberish or is he actually saying something about the mission he's basically saying you know if clear the room you know, this is not a starfleet thing if you if did, did you hear any of that watney of what he was saying oh, I had, yeah i had subtitles on but he just walks in and he's like uh lieutenant clear their room that's right. what he basically said and, look at and these then guys. and then yeah they have matching tattoos that's fucking funny well, no their their eyes it's like they're redacted they're all censored they're right the their memory, identities are, are yeah. redacted yeah they're doing that for the audience to say like it's funny yeah. all of this is all of this is extremely meta during this point because they're bleeping out even words like yes. romulan which tendy can't tell him so it's just funny. It's very, very meta and self-aware. Um, this the wrong is beep, Yulin. So when <laughs> when when Tendi is thinking about how cool it is that she's being picked for this mission, um, her her subtitles are talking about what she's thinking about. But in the background, Ransom is speaking, and he's basically saying, you know, this is a this is an off the books mission. If Starfleet, if any of this gets back to Starfleet, they're going to deny your involvement. Make sure that you have, you know, uh, cleared everything with your families, and they know that if you're not coming back, nobody's going to know where you are. You're going to be buried in an unmarked grave. Mm-hmm. I had to listen to that a lot of times to pull mm-hmm. that out of what he was saying over what Tendi, because I was hoping it was in the subtitles, but it wasn't. And then they go and they reveal their tattoos. Well, I just wanted to. They to, were cool to tattoos. Pull that to, they to yeah. that looked like they were about to say. hurt too. Jeez. Hey, we should all get. Next. We could all get matching um, TNG Delta tattoos if you hmm. guys want. I might be up for that. Yeah. Right here, on I, mean, the neck. I don't know about on the neck. That that looks like that would hurt. Maybe. What about like right on the on the shoulder, like on the side? Or something. Are you Starfleet material or not, Jay? 
<laughs> I'm not but getting a neck tattoo. That if that makes me not Starfleet, then that's what that makes me. Watney, not where, where do you want to get the tattoo? Someplace reasonable. Family reasonable. friendly. We don't need to get tattoos. I'll um I'll take that back and we can circle back later and discuss it. <laughs> circle back, boy. <laughs> I think uh, I might want mine to be a tramp stamp. <laughs> it's very fitting. <laughs> oh, boo! <laughs> uh, for if, if you're if you're listening to us or watching this video, if if you want Jay to get a tramp stamp, just leave a comment. If we get over six comments, we'll pay for Jay to get a tramp this, stamp. This better not happen. Six comments. It's all we need. Six. Jesus. That if, it's one, if it's one person leaving six comments, that works. No, no. God. <laughs> what, what, watch that be the thing that like just explodes our viewer and listenership is we want to see Jay get a Starfleet Delta as a tramp stamp tattoo. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Look, I do what I can for you, Big Jay. All right. Appreciate it. Uh, they throw 10 to your rifle. She's like, ah, shit. They basically dragged her in as the cleaner, <laughs> which the cleaner to me is also maybe like a john wick reference yes he has like a guy he pays to come in and like deep clean his house anyway um so they are on the stolen bird of prey um let me just find where I am here. Yeah, so they're on the Bird of Prey. Look how pretty that ship looks inside. It's gorgeous. Mm -hmm. Tendi tries to tell them like the whole time, like this has been a misunderstanding, blah, 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 blah. And uh, the guy keeps interrupting her like, we're being scanned. No, we're not. Yes, we are. No, we're, we're not. not. Yes, we are. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> it was pretty annoying actually to me, but. I was there with you. It's it's supposed to be annoying, I guess. Um anyway so they they keep getting scanned more and more and we see like more and more uh warbirds i totally thought there. that they were going to get caught here because the warbirds are just pointing right at them and at first there's there's one then there's two then there's three and if you can see behind me i've got the scene where there's all four of them mm -hmm. surrounding uh this cloaked baby bird of prey which you know given size that's like yeah you're you're all dead i don't know what's happening here but yeah no they're like she doesn't know what the the mission is even she doesn't know what is even going on right. um and i think maybe the like the warbirds pointed directly at them and scanning is kind of like a play on the cold cloaking technology mm -hmm. anyway like they can't even track their own cloaking right like it's that good anyway we get to see tendy dressed up all badass in like the special ops uh cat suits and then i like uh, that they're on romulus here this is before the supernova mm -hmm. yep they're on romulus yeah. Tendi's like, uh, Commander, didn't you hear what I was saying? He's like, yeah, yeah, yep, cleaning duty. It's very impressive for someone your age. And then they, they, beam, they beam down to the just outside the Romulan Star Empire and like main council building or whatever. There's two Romulans patrolling the halls. You know what I hate? Remans. Remans. Oh. oh, yes, they're the worst. And then Tendi like pulls them back and beats them up and they start running running down the hall after them and the guy one of the guys is like 
did you just, or ransom? I think he even says, did you just apologize to them? And his buddy's like, you're playing some real fucked up mind games. <laughs> like she doesn't even realize when she's, she's being nice. Um, they enter a doorway to go retrieve the package and that they're there for. And uh, Tendi is left to basically wait. And the door opens once again. They come running back with the package and she martial arts is all of the Romulan guards. We learned today that she can do this. Yes. This is so what this is the second lower decker who has like major security tactical skills that right. we didn't know about. And uh yeah, I was very much like, well, you know, as an Orion with pheromones, maybe she's had to beat up some people who were getting too close. Yeah. Well, but uh, I would think that in Starfleet, that that would be a standard class, a standard training would mm-hmm. be hand-to-hand combat. Now, that doesn't mean that you come out of it being an expert at it or maybe not even good at it, but there, there's no way you're you're sending, knowing the dangers of space and everything out there, that you're going to have someone go through a four-year program and not spend quite a good bit of time learning how to uh, defend yourself unarmed. That's just my thought. I really appreciate how Ransom here is like, I, I, I don't know, how, I have no clue what's going on here because I'm right there with him going, what is happening? Yeah, Ransom's <laughs> like, she was just supposed to be us out, man. And Tendi just like, fuck shit up. It's great. It, it reminds me of like um, my OC Jen when we did that like Dominion War infiltration plot. That yeah. was like super fun because she's a doctor. Mm-hmm. So it's like very medical. Like was she, was she like in supposed to be on a a mission like this? Well, yeah, it turns out that all Starfleet officers are capable of things like this. So, um, back on the Cerritos or Cerritos, Cerritos, uh, it was a successful mission. Ransom tells her she's awesome, but, uh, we'll have to deny this ever happened. He goes back to cleaning. There's some kind of container behind her. She doesn't ask questions. She's like, this is Billups' chair. <laughs> mm-hmm. mm, she yeah. kind of like idolizes the senior staff a little. Well, yeah, yeah she, anything to, and, and she likes that. And she likes her job. And if she gets a chance to impress someone, because that, that was her thing. I can't re- recall which episode it was. I It, wa- it was the one with the guy that was, um, who was going to be ascending, um, she has to be liked. She has to be liked. Yeah. Right. right. She wants people to like her. Yeah. And in this case, she kind of, she still wants them to like her. She's like, hi, everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, But we go back to the Arbiter in the real, in present time. And he's like, you didn't do that or something. You, There's no way you did that. And she's like, you're right. I didn't wink wink yeah mariner sam and tendy get thrown into the eels it's like kind of fine like they're not dying in fact tendy's like i think you're hurting the eels (laughs) (laughs) oh poor she's so great i know um (laughs) uh boimler's like boimler finally steps in and he's like listen we don't know what you're asking about because we don't know anything. We never know anything. Um, the lower decks never knows what's going on. And um, 
the prime guy like kind of picks him up and then like tosses him to the ground and boimler is like even sometimes the senior officers don't know what's going on I like how the the arbiter here is like, what? You expect me to believe that all of your Starfleet people aren't heroes and great at everything they do? And Boimer is like, um, yes. <laughs> yeah, you need to believe that. And that's like a really great point because like all Starfleet captains and commanders that we've seen have faults and... Mm-hmm get messed up and stuff that they're not supposed to get messed up in. And he you points, know, like Cisco, for example, out. has done really bad things and he says he can live with that. He yeah. can put that to bed and live with it. And so like they they mention um like uh just a, a few experience or a few things I think later. Um well it, it seems the, like the uh, outside aliens and, and this really focuses on that. It really seems like to the outside observer, when it comes to Starfleet, there is this uh, this thing where everyone seems to think that the Starfleet is there are a bunch of Archers and Pikes and Kirks and Ciscos and Picards and Janeways. Everyone and, and Rikers and Spocks. Everyone's at the top of their game. Everyone in Starfleet is just the best of the best of the best. So it, it's actually strange to think that you could even get an officer, much less four, in the same room that would not have an idea of what's going on and not be of that caliber. And it's because in these scenarios, in the first contact scenarios, and a lot of the, just the, the, the big meat of what Starfleet does, they're presenting the, the best of their officers, the best of their crew. So mm-hmm. to these aliens that don't interact that much, with anyone in Starfleet, but the impression they get is they they know about all these, all the all the front runners of of Starfleet, all the big names. You just think, okay, well that's everyone's like that. So for for Tendi and 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 Rutherford uh, and Mariner and Boimler to say we don't know what's going on, I can see that as like bullshit. You don't know what's going on. You're in Starfleet. All of you know everything. You're all the best of the best. But finding out no that's not actually true right right it's made of humans and humanity yes so nothing is ever going to be perfect and that's kind of the point mm-hmm. i would think um which q doesn't understand which we'll Speak, get there speaking of q yeah speaking of q uh we cut cut to boimler flashbacks or at least he wasn't there but just audience flashbacks of the senior staff uh on the bridge of the Cerritos and the Q appears voiced by the man himself. John Delancey. Yes. And um, he puts them in a like chess game, but there's cards and and goalposts. He has like a spoon looking thing. Goalpost, a soccer ball shows up, and the captain's like, "Oh, it's soccer!" And then it sprouts arms and legs, and it's like, um, "What does it say?" It says, "What's humanity all about?" It's puzzle time. It's puzzle time. (laughs) Soccer ball, and then it like bounces on Tana's face. Uh, Such a, such a. I think it's a cool callback to the episode Cupid, where Q puts uh, the Enterprise, the TNG crew, in its own Robin Hood instance, little pocket dimension. Yeah, Q always likes to throw people like in weird alternate that weird crazy, shit. 
curved soccer ball. Yeah, or like dressing up as like a French army marshal or something. Um, so we go through like a couple of experiences with the bridge crew. So for example, Freeman's Freeman's flashback on how she's not perfect all the time is the cue cue thing. Then we go to um, Ransom, where he just dates a bunch of aliens all the time and doesn't really know much about them and mariner's like by the way that's a salt vampire and he's like they haven't been around for hundreds of years and or they've supposedly died more than a century ago and she's like fine whatever turns out it is a salt vampire yep i like this beauty shot oh yeah it's beautiful we have a centaur class up here or maybe a vancouver class yes yeah, not, not centaur centaur doesn't have a secondary hull it's just got the warp right nacelles right. coming out at angles from the saucer scene so that might be still just cool to see you know the star base cool. in all its glory oh yeah i love star bases taana walks into the ship of the uh, walks into a bridge and says um i think that there's people that are turning into alternate realities of themselves and they don't know me and then we see it from her perspective and everyone's like a bug insect or something you've got um it's basically got, the play on crushers episode where she starts to have people like right. forget about her and disappear mm -hmm. and they don't remember me anyone. remember there's, me. yeah so there's a, an image here and when this comes into focus you can see like Mariners over here on the left with green eye or sorry, orange eyes and Boimler is a mosquito. Um, it looks like, um, uh, you know, Shax is, uh, Shax is, a, is uh, appears to be a woman here and has those same um, purple veins like from that species that was featured in Half a Life. Mm -hmm. I don't remember their name. And then you've got uh, Ransom back here with that snidely whiplash kind of mustache. And then he's also... How do we also... make him look different? A mustache. Yeah, give him a mustache. <laughs> and and he also has the, the alien um, forehead of that alien species that was in Enterprise that went to... Uh, right. Uh, had a war with the Denobulans. Right. To top it all off, Freeman has the goatee, the whole Mirror Universe reference there. And then... Mm -hmm. Uh, is male here, or at least appears to be male. Mm -hmm. uh, it's I just it's it's wacky. That's what the scene is. It's wacky. Yeah, yeah. It's like in some cases gender bent versions of the bridge crew on the Cerritos, and Taana ends up just having walked into like a different ship on accident. She's right. not actually in an alternate dimension. And then we get to see the alternate version of her, which is fucking hilarious. It's just a human doctor yeah, voiced she, by the same actress. She was on the wrong ship. Oh, very nice. <laughs> Didn't she That's say something awesome. like the, 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 all these ships look alike or something like that? <laughs> I, I didn't really know what to take away from this flashback because I was like, she comes in as like, nobody recognizes me and it's like, it's weird. And literally she's in a situation where nobody would recognize her as so like, so was she actually on a parallel ship or was she literally just not on the right ship? She was on the wrong ship. Yeah. Wrong ship. <sighs> yeah. The, the thing is, is like, she's, it's a play on the crusher thing, but she was actually just on the wrong ship. Cause it's a star base, which I think is great. Cause what in the episode with crusher, 
Yeah. Wasn't, weren't they on a star base or something, picking somebody up, yeah. going to a conference, something like that. And they had to return to the star base to be in the exact same spot to get Crusher out of the warp bubble. No, yeah. uh, that, that makes, that makes much more sense now. I feel better. Cause I was like, what's going on here, but it's the Alhambra, which is another city in California for the California <laughs> class. Alhambra. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Beautiful. Um, Boimler is still talking to Mr. Arbiter and he's giving his big Starfleet speech, which every, every critical situation must have one, especially trials. Um, senior officers are not infallible heroes. He says, did Picard know about the Borg? <laughs> but Picard did kind of know about the Borg ahead of time. <laughs> um, he, he says did, that- he, then he says, did Kirk know there was a giant Spock on Phylos? I got my giant Spock reference. I know. I, we, I, I thought of you when I heard that. Giant Spock is officially continually canon. Yes. Did Crusher know about the ghost and the lamp thing? Oh, yeah. He's, he's uh, mentioning all like the weirdest like Trek stuff a little yes, bit. the notorious has, um, ones. Yeah, yeah he, the, the ones that the fans have gone like, oh, why? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's super self-aware, and I just love that. Uh, Boimler says what they did was all for good. He says that the uh, all, everyone, he points to like the whole Senate, quote, quote, and he's like, you guys are all wrong. You should be on trial for questioning them. Turns out, and we I think we saw this in the, yeah, turns out they turned the lights on. Um, and they're the guy, the Chuck arbiter e. is the Imperium Magistrate Clar who was in the container that Ransom and Tendi went and stole. Mm-hmm. And they needed the bird of prey to do that, which was why Rutherford stole that. And then... Um, they needed the map. They needed to, the map. To get through the neutral zone. Yes. So, very fun conclusion. The trial's mm-hmm. not a trial. It's a party. There's balloons everywhere. It's a beam of celebration. Apparently, the senior officers were not were just quiet the whole time like they could fully talk they weren't being like silenced it was great um this is the it's one of they were in like one of the he's like the, the alien guy imperium magistrate clars is arguing with boimler like what do you mean this isn't a trial this is one of our nicest event silos i got married here <laughs> and then the uh the like the event coordinator comes in he's like all right clar time's up you paid for 22 minutes <laughs> And the, the other guy I, was sitting there waiting with his birthday cake for his daughter that was turning 100. It's fucking funny because it's like the episode's 22 minutes long. Right. At, <laughs> right at the 22 minute mark is when he says that too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah amazing. Yeah. Mariner once again argues with him that it's kind of stupid. Anyway, we jump back up to the Cerritos where we were at in the slideshow before. And um, Freeman's like, okay, I'm going to be more clear with the crew. The word Cerritos will be synonymous with the clarity moving forward. And then the gang is like, well, in that case, what's all this classified shit? <laughs> <laughs> and it yeah. like play it playfully backfires. And she's like, never mind. I'm not gonna tell you. Um it, it, they're like, even though you were wrong about the situation, it's important that we tell you these things, blah, blah, blah. So Yeah. It was there's so much good stuff. Mm-hmm. Then we get the uh, the last scene is of them leaving that room into the hall, and uh, Boimler says he knew the whole time it was a party. 
Right. Mariner's like, that's bullshit. And then Q disappears magically in the hallway. <laughs> He's like, choose your weapon. Mine is the mind. And uh, Mariner's like, go away. We've had enough of your enough random bullshit for today. Go mess with Picard or something. <laughs> He's like, Picard always quotes Shakespeare and makes wine. And that's like the end of the episode cuts out. But look how beautiful. It's just like, just everything looks so good. I love that they brought Q back in his post-atomic horror judge outfit. Mm-hmm. They even returned the like the lion head things mm-hmm. there. And and the necklace is spot on. I just is floating it, chair. Yeah. Here's th- this is my one gripe about this, and I know it's going to sound awfully petty, possibly, or just mm-hmm. nitpicky, but Okay, so either either John Delancey is—I I was about to say he's he's out of character with his portrayal of of Q, but couldn't be because the way that he plays Q, the way that he voices Q, when you hear John Delancey speak, it's that's that's Q. It's not like he's changing his uh, really his voice or mannerisms, anything like that. In this episode. I could tell at some points that yes, that was him, but it didn't sound like Q. It, it just it it was almost kind of disappointing. It just it felt like it was the same thing that I uh, that I said about um, uh, earlier in our reviews uh, when this was starting about about Ransom, about Chris O'Donnell, <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, not sounding like Chris O'Donnell at all, and, and Jerry uh, O'Connell. Jerry O'Connell, God. Damn it! I do that. I, I don't know why I keep an amazing Chris O'Donnell. singer. Right, right. From <laughs> Batman and Robin. Yes, Jerry O'Donnell. Jeez, um, how you know how Jerry O'Donnell does not sound like him at all? Okay, I get that. Oh, for, I thought you said Chris Cornell. I've no, been... not Chris Cornell. <laughs> we're just doing all this dumb shit. We're, we're in totally <laughs> alternate dimensions. Yeah. Look, it's been here. like two hours. Right, right. <laughs> Brain is neat, so but, let's we're good. But but for for Q, it almost seemed like. Did did the voice director like tell him to not sound like Q? Why doesn't he? Am I the only one that got that? It seemed like this is not this isn't John Delancey doing this, or he's doing some different portrayal. This isn't yeah. Q. Nope. I'm okay. Kidding. I'm not the only one. It wasn't I... as QE as I was thinking. You know, because Q is very like animated with the way he shocks I'm a capitan yes. amazing mm-hmm. me you know and it wasn't really like that it was especially in the first time we see him pop up onto the bridge with in the flashback for the bridge crew when right. they go to, get the, to the chess scene it it really and at that moment I totally am with you on that I think it was better voice acting at the end but I do agree it, it, I just thought yeah. he was being um, uh, a lot more. I don't really know the word. He's just. I felt like it was a bit more exaggerated, but it still felt like you to me. So, but you know, and and, and exaggerated. I I think that 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 was it, which I I believe is as as good as the show has been, as as detailed as it's been. I can't imagine that they would have would have let that let that go like that Un- unless it was one of those things where uh, because a lot of the voice actors did all of their recordings at home be- because the quarantine happened COVID happened basically they had to turn their their homes uh you know rooms in their homes into little studios 
all of these voice recordings were happening at you know at their own locations. So it was very possible that they gave uh, John Delaney a C. Say, okay, here's your lines, recorded as Q. They got that, and I don't know if it was just a well. Do we go back and tell this guy, hey, you don't sound like Q, or should we just keep our mouth shut and and, and just just roll with it? Um, but when you when you talk about kind of the the over exaggeration, that reminds me of Adam West in his in his later life. Whenever he would do portrayals of uh, Batman or or Bruce Wayne, uh, Batman from the '60s, I went back and I rewatched the series, uh, Batman 1966 series, and the way that he played. Bruce Wayne and Batman was not like how he acted later. It was, it was almost like later in life when he did it, he was playing Adam West playing Batman. It was almost like a kind of a, um, a roundabout circle, like a, a caricature of himself mm-hmm. because it was not, it was not how he originally did it. If, if, you, if you go back and watch it, you'll just be like, okay, wait a minute. What, what, what was all this exaggeration of, how he was and how he's done it later in life when they were making fun of it. That's not how, how he did it. And it's the same with William Shatner playing Kirk. We get all these exaggerations about um, uh, Shatner's speech pattern, how he played Kirk, et cetera, et cetera. I did a rewatch of the original series. I didn't see it. There were maybe some slight times Possibly, but not not the way we've turned it into a meme with with how stunted his portrayal of Kirk was. So I don't know where that comes from, because if you go back and watch all of the original series, you're, you're going to be hard pressed to find that that moment that was what we're basing that off of. So that that's that's where I'm thinking, you know, maybe if you're if you're away from a character for so long, you kind of have this thing in your mind where you're, you're thinking you misremember it. You misremember oh, yeah, how sure. someone was played, how character was voiced, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Jerry Ryan has said that when she was starting to shoot Picard mm-hmm. as seven, it was, it was, she was very nervous because it had been such a long time. So mm-hmm. it's like, I'm sure it's very common and they're different actors are different people. So they're going to have changed and maybe their portrayal will change as well. Right. Um, yeah, I totally get it. Dag, I want to make sure we have time to get to like what you want to talk about because yep. you've mentioned a few times to me that you have a theory and you wanted to share it at the end. So we've hit the conclusion of the episode review. Now let's talk with Dag. All right. Indulge me for a moment. Okay. Put your, put your tinfoil hats on and follow me down this rabbit hole. This episode is a love letter to the fandom that appreciates what it watches, debates some of the weaker points, and still supports the writers and the producers in creating more Star Trek. Recast this episode, thinking of the arbitrator as online trolls, our four lower deckers as the the fandom of 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 goodwill the fandom that 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 does defend and engages in these debates and our senior staff on trial essentially trial looks like it's on trial our senior staff is the writers and the executives (gasps) of star trek and what you get is the fandom 
constantly getting pushed into these situations by online trolls to defend the writer's decisions. They're always going over like, well, what about Discovery? Well, what about Picard? Well, what about these things that are happening lower decks? Where's the continuity? And they're pushing and pushing and pushing. They're moving the goalposts. They're making us come up with ever-exaggerated arguments to try to make sense of it, because that's what we do as fans. We try to make sense of things. The trolls are always shooting it down. No, you're not right. You're not right. You're not mm -hmm. right. They're looking for their 22 minutes of fame. Um, the... The, you know, Boimler even does a really impassioned defense. If you think of him as that fan who comes to the defense of the writers, he's saying, look, the writers make mistakes. Think about all the references in this episode, and I have them bullet pointed, uh, to things that that we as the fans, we have sat there and gone, yeah, those are kind of missteps. You've got Roga Daner in The Hunted. Some people don't even remember that episode. Khan's Thick Chest is a parody Uhura's Naked Desert Dance. There's a lot of people that did not care for that. Tasha's weak-ass death in Skin of Evil. Mark Twain with a gun sounds super crazy out of context unless you've seen Time Zero. Um, Sub Rosa, wildly panned as one of the worst episodes of The Next Generation. A 50-foot Spock, that's obnoxious. <laughs> Remember me? That was, uh, that was a forgettable episode, remember mm -hmm. me. Uh, the Remans, also debated as one of the ridiculous inclusions of Nemesis. Mm -hmm. um, Q's Robin Hood instance, people look at that and they're like, this doesn't make any sense. Um, there's all these references crammed into this episode saying, look at all the missteps that have been made in the animated series of The Next Generation. The board and, too. And, and why don't, and Q, Q in the very first episode, they got so many hate letters about Q in the first season. Nobody liked Q. And mm -hmm. he's in this episode too. And so these are all instances where the fandom has gone, yeah, that happened. We move forward. It's also instances of the next generation, the animated series, the original series, which by and large are considered the classic, you know, the golden years of Trek. And the trolls never touch that. They don't ever want to talk about that. They, they always hand wave all the, the things that happened, all the writer mistakes there to focus on new Trek. And it was just really like, as I rewatched this episode, I was like, man, the writers are really doing a good job getting to that meta level to say, hey, for you fans who've stuck around and who have, you know, you've noticed the missteps, but you stick by the franchise thank you. And the trolls are just looking for their fame. And when Boiler points it out, suddenly the troll, the arbiter, backsteps and goes, no, 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 no. You were never on trial. This is a celebration. And it's sort of like gaslighting. Like you were on a trial and oh, we're going to, we're going to change the context of what you thought this was. And um, you know, Boimler, he, he just goes on and on. He nails it, nails it, nails it. And then he sits there and he drops the horn of candor and he says, drumhead, recognize the episode drumhead, widely regarded by some trolls as like, you know, Picard's word from the first step forged or for the first link forged. And the drumhead is, a, is basically an authority figure. Somebody who thinks they're an authority figure is looking for a villain to try and execute. And the fandom in this episode is stepping up in the form of Boimler and saying, there is no trial here. You're insane. There's no villain. Stop looking for it. It becomes a party. And we end up back on the Cerritos where the senior staff as the writers are telling the fans as Boimler, Tendi, Rutherford, and Mariner, hey, you know what? You're right. We do make missteps, but we're going to try to be more transparent. We're going to try to do harder. 
And then that's when sort of the joke plays through where they're like, wait, tell us all the secret details. And the senior staff is like, no, 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 no. You know, the eel pit of you, death. I just that, blew my mind. You're welcome. And I have been writing this and Holy writing this for like shit. days. Trying to like put yeah. it in order. Like he mentions, okay, with the crusher and the lamp thing, he mentions mm-hmm. that. And then, mm-hmm. like you said, and then um, in the same vein, he mentions, oh, he mentions giant Spock in the same sentence. And then mm-hmm. the first thing he mentions was, did Picard know about the Borg? Right. And people always talk about how when you first see the Borg, they're actually menacing, but then like Voyager neutered the Borg. Exactly. So, like it's that kind of stuff, like the writer's mistakes, like you're totally right. And I think like my mind is like spinning right now because Trek is ultimately a celebration mm-hmm. and yes. not yes. a trial. And the senior staff rescues the troll. Like Trek still embraces the troll as a fan because it's Trek. And I don't know, like it's one, it's a wonderful, wonderful message. I'm totally on board. I'm totally on board. What were you going to say about the eels? I'm excited. Well, okay. Which is the eels. Eels were like another one of those details that the writers meta are telling the audience. So we're not going to go into detail about this because when Mariner's getting dragged out of the celebration silo, she's like, what about the eels? And he's like, you don't get to know. What about the eels? No eels, eels, no eels. And I was like, they're bannering back and forth. But you never understand the eels. Now there are, I've got so many points here and I don't want to like, maybe I'll engage online with what this is about if people are like super interested. But the, the keystone to this is and i'm a big fan of riddles and puzzles and mm-hmm. i've been trying to do this throughout the the series and not much has come up but i took the name of the planet katuvan and mm-hmm. the name of our arbiter klar and i ran them through an anagram generator and on the anagram generator i specified because i could see the letters were present in katuvan and klar i specified one of the output words from the anagrams needs to be trek it needs to be Trek. There was only one result. If you if you run these letters through an anagram generator and you ask for the anagram generator to spit out Trek in addition to the other letters, you get one result. And that result is vocal new Trek. And it's about the people who are vocal about new Trek, i.e. Discovery, Picard, Lower Decks, maybe even the, uh, the JJ movies. Um, the trolls hit those hard and they consider Enterprise, Voyager, and all the ones that came out before as like ineffable canon. They never talk about it. They never want to engage it. They never want to talk about the stumbles that were made in those series. They always want to focus on how horrible Kurtzman is and J.J. Abrams and the other um, you know, behind the scenes creators of the new Star Trek that we have now. And I was just like blown away when I was like, wow, there's this anagram. Okay. So where does this thought fit that I have? Because I'm totally on board with, with what you're saying and I can see that, but I need, I need you to help me place this thought because I don't know what the conclusion to it is. Okay. I'm ready. I'm ready. Hit me. So I get the whole, you know, they went over all these tropes about the, the missteps of Trek, how the, the trolls, uh, fervently attack anything new, any of the new Trek, but leave the older stuff alone. And we, we mentioned the, uh, drum head, the, the drum head, that speech is if, if you find a, a right winger or conservative that knows 
nothing about Star Trek, but wants to protect his or her privilege and right for uh, any attack of words, racism, hate, prejudice, et cetera, et cetera. They know the drumhead speech that 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 is almost like memorized. Um, and that is like absolutely not what that speech is about. However, it often gets co-opted as a means of this, 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 this speech from your beloved Star Trek protects my right to attack blacks, lesbian, gay, bi, trans, Jews, Mexicans, whoever I want, because if you censor me, then with the first link forged, yada, 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 yada. Yeah. You know, so, okay. And and I want to interrupt there because I want to clarify for the audience who's listening and watching us what that speech is supposed to mean. Very succinctly, very uh, short. That is a member of a military defending other members of the military for which that person is in charge against abuses by the state. That's what that means. It is not about people arguing fandom online. That is the one of the worst corruptions and intentions of, of that speech. We're talking about the real world. We are talking about abuses by the state. That's what that speech is set up to defend against. Right. Go ahead, Jay. Right. So where does where does that fit with the missteps? Is it possible that there's some kind of like we we have this thing we had this speech it was supposed to be profound it was supposed to be great but yet we've unfortunately seen it fall into the hands of uh, uh, the people supremacists racists that use that to protect them being able to do or say whatever they want i i likened that to being co-opted by ingenuine trolls who try to tear down new star trek mm -hmm. and force the fans into compromising positions to defend it and then tear down those fans when they can't argue against it and i think boimler's reference and, and pointing out of the drumhead is actually just pointing his finger at the trolls and saying there is no villain here stop looking for one this is Star Trek. Enjoy it. Engage the fandom. Try to, you know, come up with good continuity here, but stop hating so hard on the writers and the producers of this franchise. And stop, stop using it. the drumhead to to justify all of the things that you're that you're saying. Personal attacks. Right. To, to personal justify attacks. A, to justify a witch hunt that doesn't exist. Correct. It's all yes. about getting likes and clicks and engagement on social media. They don't even care what their arguments are. They're completely ingenuine. They're designed to rile up the fan base, bring people like us to rush to defend, and then make fun of us when we get there. They don't care. No, so yeah, stop engaging. Oh, baby girl. Right, like, right. I'm not going to spend my time doing that. Right. Who does that? You're fighting with people that, that wake get up that in the morning. that back. Don't worry about yeah. trolls. They, they wake up in the morning saying, okay, well, what does Ben Shapiro say I'm supposed to say today? Ah. And, and, uh, and who's then, that? This is not that podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who that is. Do we will Google keep you blissfully ignorant on that. It'll be, it'll be unfortunate. Uh, um, yeah. Okay, I know who 
who wet ass p word is okay oh okay sorry i'm trying to say like, i'm in denial of his existence oh, <laughs> if we oh, think hard enough gotcha. we can make am i not am i never sarcastic you know? I, in, in, it's hard to you have a tell when you're being sarcastic uh, you raise your left eyebrow when you're not yeah. your eyebrows stay uh, level i love this creature. and then you're wearing now a beanie which know. covers up yeah, right right we are friends <laughs> outside of this i love these guys so much um, I have yeah, one yeah. more. I have one more meta reference okay. that was pointed out to me. Okay. It doesn't really have anything to do with my my whole like meta against the troll thing, but it was really cool how this episode of Lower Decks mirrors the TNG episode Lower Decks in that we get members of the Lower Decks on the Enterprise who are all kind of a part of this super secret operation, but mm. they don't all know what's happening. Yes. And that's what's happening in this episode of Lower Decks is you've got the Lower Deckers who are all a part of the operation, but they don't all have the big picture. They're just told, this is cool. what you do. This is what you do. Point your phaser here and fire. Don't ask me any questions. And, you know, you're and going to be in this shuttle in with this makeup. Episode. Right, right. They were, they were told, you do this, and that's just it. Don't ask right. me why. Just do it. So yeah, yeah, you're right. This this was a great callback to that, and um, you know, and then the closing thought that that I want to give on on this episode is that I th th this was probably one of the <clears throat> excuse me one of the uh, penultimate episodes of this is your bottle episode. That this is your your episodic content you've always wanted with serialized character tones. You have a you have an issue, you have a problem that you need to figure out a solution to, which which happens in this episode. And yes, you have the, the humor and the happenstance along the way, but then you get to you get to the end where that lesson is learned. That that lesson is learned, that speech is done, and you know, we thought we were on trial, but but we weren't. Uh, that that cultural or uh, the race misunderstanding kind of thing. Very solve Trek your, ending. Very Trek ending. Solve your You're problem. Spot on. Move on to You're the next episode. On, yes. Well done. Well thought. Yeah, I'm super thrilled with this episode. It was my favorite yet. The storytelling was brilliant. The pacing was brilliant. The flashbacks were amazing. I loved how they left us in the unknown. They did not force feed us any kind of intel at all um i love the nuggets as always and dag your at the end your theory i just Thank i got you. chills took my breath away that Thank was you. a great one great theory yes. wow that's why i love, I love the podcast with you guys i'm i'm hoping i'm hoping this gets back to mcmahon and if it was intended by the writers we see you mm -hmm. and if it's not way to go for giving us something to dig deep into like that oh yeah we Absolutely. appreciate those yeah and if they actually do listen to us Watney, you want to tell them where they can find us oh yeah um i would love to do that so uh you can listen to us on anchor.fm uh, that is syndicated to any any podcast um any podcast listening platform 
that we know of. Uh, so check us out there. We do have a Patreon, patreon.com slash beyond, slash beyond track. We'd love your support there. If you want to talk to us, uh, check us out on Twitter at beyond track pod. That's run by dad. And then on Instagram, beyond track podcast, we do have a Facebook, facebook.com slash beyond track productions, like us and follow us there. And as always, you can watch these episodes on YouTube where you can see our faces and a deck of screenshots that DAG so graciously puts together. And I would like to give, of course, a very special shout out to two of our supporters. Stephanie Baker, you support us on Patreon and Anchor. Thank you so much. And Jim Cook, an Anchor donator. We love you both. Thank you very much for the support. And if you stuck around to the end, thank you for listening to Beyond Track Podcast. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Oh, and, and by the way, hopefully soon we will be on Amazon music or, or audible. Oh. Is that like mm-hmm. the same? Are, are, yes. are, are they two different things or is it? Aud- Amazon owns audible. So okay. we're just going to be there. Yeah. Okay. So that will be, and I also, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Remind, I just wanted to, I, I just wanted to remind the listeners and the viewers that there's only two episodes left of lower decks. Wow. <sighs> Two episodes left. Yep. And then we, we start our 13 week of uh, discovery review. So buckle in, strap tight. I'm going to be in for more. Please come back next week. We'll see you next week. So let's do that. Live long and prosper. We are beyond your podcast. Lower your inhibitions and surrender your years. We will add inspirational and hilarious trip content to your day, your attention.